Hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, this is a podcast. You're what's good, folks. I appreciate you for tuning in to another episode of This A Podcast. This is the show where I, Mech Show, sit down with some of the most talented, hardworking, forward-thinking individuals that I know across all kinds of different industries. Um, I know people in music, arts, sciences, business. Um, I like to sit down with these people and just uh, get a really good understanding of how they got so good at what they do, how they maintain um, their skills, not even just maintain, but also improve upon their skills in their career and in their personal lives. Um, A little bit more about me. I am a content creator and I also run a family business uh, full time. Uh, Those are the two things that I do literally seven days a week. Um, 24 hours a day. So within that, I like to talk about a lot of business building, um, personal development, growth, things like that. Uh, So that's usually the scope or the frame of the conversation. But, you know, these things tend to go anywhere. Uh, As a content creator, I produce this podcast. I also produce a few other podcasts that you can find on itsnation.com and not just podcasts, web shows. We got something for everybody, man. If you're into sports, we got Sporty Life TV, web series hosted by my homies, Surgeon Theo Kona, who are uh, football coaches at John F. Kennedy High School. We also have a podcast called The Final Third, hosted by my boy Phil Nana, who is also a head coach, but at uh, Montgomery College, he coaches the uh, he's the head coach of the women's soccer team there. We also got the Bounce Back podcast, hosted by my girl Maylise Mittig. She is a yoga instructor, and her podcast is all about using yoga as a tool for um, resiliency and bouncing back. So she's talking to yoga instructors. She's talking to yogis. She's even talking to just everyday people who are committed to the yoga lifestyle. So that's dope. We got Live from the Back Seat hosted by my girl Simone Mitchum, um, another talented individual on the team. So yeah, man, we got a whole bunch of things going on on itsnation.com. So definitely check that out. And also, if you, yes, you listening are interested in starting a podcast or have had ideas for a podcast but don't know where to start, uh, reach out to me, man. I'm always down to help people get their thing off the ground. Um, this a podcast at gmail.com. You can hit me there and we can, you know what I'm saying, definitely get the wheels in motion for all that. But um, yeah, definitely after this podcast, you know what I'm saying? Listen to this first and then go ahead and step on over to isnation.com and see what else we got going on over there. On this episode, I got Kevin Polite on tap. Kevin is on Instagram at KP Original DC. He's an entrepreneur. He founded a luxury limousine service and sold that company to one of the leading transportation companies in the world. So that's really um one key key reason I was super excited to sit down and talk to him um, on on here. I met Kevin probably a couple years ago when he was running that business like on a daily basis, and I kind of I kind of watched a little bit of the growth of it, and then um, I saw you know just through Instagram and through following him and keeping in contact with him here and there, just saw how he was able to grow that business and then sell it to you know, uh, one of the leading transportation companies in the world. So I wanted to sit down with him and talk to him about how that happened. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm really passionate about 
entrepreneurship. You know, obviously, I've been trying to build my own brand for the last few years. So um, it was really dope to be able to sit down, talk with him about how he did those things, um, what he's got, you know, what I'm saying brewing in the future, uh, what he's working on now, everything like that. And I'm not even going to hold you off for too long. I really just want to get back um, into the conversation. So here we go. Got my guy, Kevin Polite, on tap today. How's it going, man? What's going on, Mac? I uh, appreciate you for coming through. Appreciate you for doing this. Thank you for having um, me. Thank yeah, you. for sure, for sure. I'm I'm looking forward to getting this. Uh, we've been trying to get this done for a while, so it's dope that, you know what I'm saying, we were able to actually find time that we both had to sit yeah, down and yeah. talk because I'm lo- very much looking forward to having this convo um, on entrepreneurship, man. Uh let people know real quick who you are, what you do. Well, my name's Kevin Polite. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've been working in ground transportation, uh, which consists of running limousines, running sedans to and from the airport with the high-powered executives, mm-hmm. uh, party buses, stretch limousines, charter buses, mini buses, uh, all different modes of uh, vehicles to get people to and from where they need to go. Yeah. So uh, most of it, you know, most of my time in transportation has uh, uh, been on the luxury side of things mm-hmm. or black car. Yeah. As it's more uh, eloquently referred to as. But um, lately I've been working in transit and uh, that's been uh, a very, very uh, new field for me to work in. Um, I owned a company called Cul-de-Sac Chauffeur mm-hmm. for Five years. I uh, started it when I was 25. Yeah, started from the ground up, which is the most exciting thing that I'm it's crazy. trying to get into. Yeah. It's crazy. Started when I was 25 and uh, sold the company when I was when I turned 30. Yeah. So. Um, okay. I want to get into that, but like, let's just kind of start a little bit from the beginning. You know sure. what I mean? Um, first of all, like, let's start like from the way beginning. Like, you know, say, what, we, what was your childhood? Yeah, like, what was your childhood? Land before like, time. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Like, <laughs> what was your childhood? Like, what types of shit were you into? Like, what, yeah. what was your childhood like growing well, up? Grew up in Silver Spring mm-hmm. um, from home, you know, born and raised in Montgomery County. Um, spent a lot of time uh, as a child reading magazines like Popular Mechanics, Road and Track, Car and Driver. Um, I went to private school my entire life. My mom is very religious. Mm-hmm. God bless her. Um, ended up going into the seminary, actually, after um, high school to study to be a pastor, which you a did. lot of people, I did. You went, oh, okay. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. I actually went into the seminary, finished the courses to become an ordained minister. I yeah. was not ordained. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I felt as if I wasn't called to be in the ministry. So I pivoted from that to business, straight okay. to business. So my upbringing was um, very much so centered around religion. Uh, can we can we pause right there real quick? Absolutely. Um, what made you pivot? Like, you, I, I, well, I, I, you said that you, did, you felt like you didn't really, that wasn't your calling. Right, it wasn't my calling. Um, how... How did you find out that it wasn't your calling? Was there a moment or was there a thing? Was there a feeling that made you, made your mind go in other places? Uh, I think it was a gradual, um, a gradual set of circumstances that occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you go into the seminary, you're basically saying, you know, I'm giving my life to, it was a, a Christian seminary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, essentially I was giving my life you know everything that I was. You know everything that 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 
I owned, you know, giving it to the church and saying that I'm going to live the rest of my life, you know, for God or for Jesus Christ in this particular instance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, serving the community, serving the church, uh, serving God, you know, in in totality from employment to, you know, my daily actions, you know, and how I carry myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I guess I woke up one day and realized that I was interested in things outside of the church. I was interested in things outside of the Bible, outside of religion. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of those things felt contrary to my religious beliefs and, 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 or my former religious beliefs, I should say, Mm -hmm. some of those things felt contrary to, you know, different principles that the Bible articulated. So, um, it wasn't an overnight decision where I woke up and said, you know what? I want to get out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. It, It was just a gradual sort of, uh, you know, progression to wanting to expand my, my mind and expand my experiences. And it was heartbreaking for my family uh, when I left, Um, you know, from, I guess, age probably 15, age 20, I had devoted my life to Christianity and in every single way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the weekends, I'm passing out tracks at metro stations Mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, asking people about their belief systems and, and, and trying to get them to align with mine, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and, and, and sharing the, you know, the gospel, so to speak. Um, but around age 20, you know, I, I had been reading a lot of things online about business. I had been reading a lot of things online about pop culture, and I started to become interested in those things. And, um, you know, when I left the seminary and announced it to my mother, it was heartbreaking for her. Yeah, I bet. You know, it was heartbreaking for her to the standpoint where we didn't talk for 10 years. From age 20 to almost age 30, I didn't talk to my mother. No relationship. And my sister also lived with her. I didn't have a relationship with my sister for 10 years. So they didn't see me start my business. They didn't see me grow up to a million-dollar company. They didn't see any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't a part of part of that at all uh, because of that decision I made to walk away. And wow. I think it just goes to show you that... You know, before you make a choice and decision, you you do need to weigh the consequences of that. And I didn't understand at the time what the consequences were going to be, and it ended up me ended up me being separated from my family. Did you not to say you saw that coming coming or anything, but like, did you when you were in it, like yeah. in those ten years, like did you want a relationship with your mom? Like, did you try to make that happen, and oh. she just wasn't receptive, or like, yeah. like, what did that like? What did it look like to not talk to your mom for that long like did you want to have that you know what i mean i did, did you want to talk to her i did want to talk to her and i would reach out she so you know i grew up on a cul-de-sac in silver spring mm-hmm. um i ended up naming my company cul-de-sac chauffeur so mm-hmm. the cul-de-sac meant a lot to me because it was a safe haven um my mom was a single parent my parents divorced when i was about maybe 11 12 years old um And during the course of my childhood, you know, my parents did not, you know, they weren't never on good terms. Okay. Not that I could recall Mm -hmm, ever. mm -hmm. And when they divorced, my dad disappeared uh, more or less. And I didn't talk to him from age about 12 or 13 to age 20. Mm -hmm. So my mom was 
everything to me. She yeah. was the father. She was the mother. She was the breadwinner. She was the educator. She was the pastor in the house. You know, she was uh, uh, to this day even. She's a she's an extreme role model for me. She is the role model of who I would want to be if I could be a perfect man of character mm-hmm. because of how she carried herself and how she um, sacrificed herself for us. So when our relationship ended at age 20 upon me leaving the seminary, there was a huge void in my life because that was the person that I went to when I was in trouble. That was the person that I went to for guidance. And I didn't have that anymore. So it, it was like a, a large part of me had had uh, died. Mm-hmm. And I continually reached out to her, you know, over 10 years. I would show up at her doorstep, try to knock on the door, um, call the house, leave voicemails, call her cell phone, leave voicemails, and unfortunately not get any calls back, you know. Wow. And uh, it's a tough thing, you know, yeah. when, when, you, when, you, when a parent, um, you know, is so hurt that they don't want to have a relationship with their own child. And it may be really bitter because I'm thinking, man. You know, just because I left the church and I don't believe the same things that she believes, you know, why she have to take it out of me in this way, shape or form. But it ended up being a a, a lesson of trials and tribulations for me. And um, it gave me the confidence to, to you know, to, to really understand that I can overcome any challenge and overcome any L, any loss that is, you know, that I experience. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really interesting, man. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine going through something like that. How did, when you made that shift into starting to think about business and things like that, mm-hmm. what did that look like? Like, what what was that first taste of intrigue? You know what I mean? Can you recall what 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 got you first interested in it? I can. Um, in the seminary, we 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 did not work, so mm-hmm. we did not work for earned wages, so to speak. So we're more or less like sponsored, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first job, I was making $6.35 an hour working for a Giant Pharmacy. I was working as a pharmacy clerk. And I so remember- This is your first job out of the seminary? My first job out of the seminary. So I was 20 years old. I was working at uh, Goshen Giant, <laughs> right in Montgomery Village. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. And uh, I got hired on the spot. I remember I was wearing khaki pants and like a brown shirt and- I'm dressed super prep, got hired on the spot, making six thirty five an hour. And I had never made Anything. any money. Yeah. You know, I never had a job in high school, none of that. I was always focused on, you know, school. My parents wanted me to focus on my education. So mm-hmm. uh I remember my first paycheck was like $185 at the taxes or something like that. And I'm like, I'm bowling. I just had $185 <laughs> in my account. Let's go. Straight up. <laughs> you know, so you know, I worked there for about a year, and within a year I went from six thirty five, you know, to like eight fifty. 850 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 14. At the end of the year, I'm making 15, 16 an hour. And I'm going to school. You know, I left the seminary. My credits wouldn't transfer to the University of Maryland. So I ended up having to go to Montgomery College to make up the credits that I had attained in the seminary. So you get, you get like a, I'm really not hip. Yeah. But you get like a formal education in the seminary? Or yeah. Like what kind of education do you get? Uh, you get a formal education in a seminary. This was a, a study abroad program that I was in. Yeah. Um, but I guess like this what grades program. I'm asking about, like, is it like 10th to 12th grade? Like, like Oh, well, the seminary was, was college. Oh, it was it was four-year school. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay. so uh, you know, it was my, it was, we're talking about my education after high school. Because I was actually yeah, 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 homeschooled. Okay. From seventh to twelfth grade, oh, so I did not okay. go to 
public school or formal private school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From seventh to twelfth grade, I actually took my classes uh, at a kitchen table. How how does that work? <laughs> like yeah? How, so, how are you getting tested and, and graded? And, and, shit and like it's that? so funny when I tell people this because they think, oh, your mom taught you. No, <clears throat> your mom didn't teach me. No, my uh, in my church, my pastor's wife was a teacher mm-hmm. and she retired from the school system and then started a school within the church okay very small school it was only about maybe six kids in it so i actually took most of my classes from seventh to twelfth grade through um you know with two other kids that were in my actual grade mm-hmm. so to speak and i had fulfilled my high school requirements like before i even got a driver's license like yeah. before i was 16 i mean we were doing trigonometry in like seventh grade That's you know crazy. sixth grade yeah. we're doing calculus in like eighth grade yeah, you know what i mean you got three kids to teach you could probably move fast oh you can hell. move fast i mean we're, we're talking <laughs> yeah. in spanish you yeah, know what i mean up. like we're yeah like so so Wait, so she knew all of the subjects she like, knew she knew she was one of the smartest women i ever meet wow uh she knew all of the subjects and made sure that we mastered everything that we did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough to just to get a C. You know, we would retake tests. You well, so who's great? Like, who is, like, what, like, who's governing the grades, if that makes any sense? Like, are you going, are you taking the same test that a kid in an MCPS uh, school will take? So the curriculum is actually a Becca book out of Pensacola University. I don't know if you're familiar with that curriculum. No. So it's a, it's a, it's a curriculum that is very popular in Christian private schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the curriculum that we actual actually followed, and it's an accredited um, program. Okay. So, you know the the uh, all of the subjects that we took were Abeka books. That's the name of the company. Okay. So you know from seventh grade we're doing. I think we started doing eighth grade material. Eighth grade we're doing ninth grade, and then as we continue to progress, if we had mastery over a particular subject, mm-hmm. and we're getting to like chapter twelve, thirteen in the book, and it's just all A's, 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 A's. Mm-hmm. Well, then you know, let's move on to the next subject. Let's Facts. not waste time. Facts. You Facts. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think my my most favorite subject in school was was always history mm-hmm. and writing. I love to write. I even right now I write poetry uh, in my spare time. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a good poet, yeah, but it's I love your creative outlet. Yeah, it's my creative I outlet. I, I I like writing, uh, you know, deep poems uh, about you know a variety of different things, and uh, I like to write about, um, uh, you know, tragic situations that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of those situations was uh, my friend Stephanie. She unfortunately passed away in a, in a car accident, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't recall all the circumstances that occurred in the car accident. Um, But she was with a group of people. I was at Montgomery College at the time, so this was after the seminary. And her dad, uh, I don't know if he still is a pastor, but at the time he was a pastor at a church locally in Montgomery County. So when I got the news that she got, you know, she passed away, it crushed me because she was the first person I met after leaving the seminary that had a similar belief system to my mom. Mm-hmm. I think she was, uh, she may or no, she never was homeschooled, but she just was very conservative in her outlook. She was uh, very, uh, you know, aware of herself. And she, you know, used to always tell me, she says, you know, you need to get right with the Lord. You know, you need to get right with the Lord. Uh, you know, God's calling you back to him, that sort of thing. So she made me think on elements from my past and it made me 
feel comfort mm-hmm. because my mom wasn't talking to me at the time. No one in the seminary and yeah. my former church is talking to me. I'm yeah. trying to reach out to some of them. They don't want to talk to me. I'm basically yeah. excommunicated. Yeah. And it was just a tough time because, you know, when you are homeschooled from age seven, from, from grade seven to 12, and then you go into the big world of college, even though Montgomery College is very small campus, has very small campuses. For me, going from a kitchen table to a that campus <laughs> was a transition. Yeah. And to, to say the a, least. As a kid, if you're homeschooled, you don't have the opportunity to make friends at your school. You know what I mean? There's no question. So, yeah. There's no question. And I and I did not socialize a whole lot. Uh, you know, in um in, you know, during grade school. I, I did not. But I never felt as if that stunted me because I was always very curious about the world around me. And I'm I'm a very quick visual learner. So if yeah. I see you do something, you know, and I like what you're doing, I can more than likely emulate what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm 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 not an inventor. I'm the kind of individual who will uh always attempt to make the wheel better but not, you know, reinvent the wheel so mm-hmm. to speak i just want to fine tune the wheel so to speak and modify what you've already created yeah. correct you know i like to just improve processes yeah. that's i feel like thing. i'm the same way i feel like i'm the same way yeah i think a lot of a lot of people are and you and, and once you realize that you aren't the inventor you're not the mark zuckerberg or yeah, yeah that sort fact. of thing you know then you can you know you can be comfortable in your space yeah and and be good at what you do and i think like we need improvers out there like that's kind of like, you know what i'm saying the like Steve Jobs made the iPhone, but like the technology behind the iPhone needed to be made. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the computing system and everything. So like, okay, uh, Kevin, the pharmacist, how do you go from pharmacy guy to like business guy? What's that? Like what happened yeah. there? So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I, you know, got a lot of raises in the first year of me mm-hmm. being a, a pharmacy tech. And um, I started- Were the raises? Sorry. Were the raises- Attributed to just like you working well, like was yeah. that just like performance based? So I didn't call out mm-hmm. ever, like never. I don't call out at any job. Yeah, you know I will come to work with my leg bloodied and and, and falling off. Yeah, you, you understand I'm coming from, and my mom taught me that. You know, straight facts. My my mom, um, you know, dating back to my childhood when my parents got divorced, she uh, had taken a sabbatical when I was when my sister was born. And left the federal government after already spending 10, 15 years. And she was pretty high up in the grade level there. And then she went back to the federal government and continued to get promoted. Never called out. Mm-hmm. You know, she did 50 years in the federal government and just yeah. retired recently. Never called out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had that same mentality as a child, you know, to always uh, strive to be the greatest at what you do. And I, 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 that element stayed with me, you know, as a pharmacy tech. And I started to educate myself on stocks. You know, I started listening to, you know, friends talk about, oh, we should buy this stock. And, and they weren't really buying stocks, but they were just talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah. But it, but it made me want to actually research and, and figure out, okay, how do I, you know, open a, uh, an account? You know, how do I yeah. trade stocks? You know, what is the cost of trading it? What are, what are capital gains taxes? I came up in stocks that same way. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Talk about it for like two years before I actually pulled the trigger on anything. Yeah, because that 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 is a, a world where you can, you know, make a whole lot of money or you can lose a lot of money. Not have a lot of money making 15 bucks an hour. And it's kind of intimidating, at least for me it, it was. Is. Like it's intimidating cuz you know what I'm saying you read about like all or you you read and hear about all the benefits and the upsides and stuff like that. Right. But once you like go to a website and once you try to 
make something happen or even just begin to learn it's super confusing it's super uh you, you you have you don't know the language you don't know the language until you're in it and you you know what i'm saying do it for a little bit you know what i mean right. so i was super intimidated you know what i'm saying for a little bit before i really did anything so it, yeah. the stock market is not like one like you know what i'm saying welcome everyone you know what i mean it's like you kind of kind of got to do your due diligence or hire somebody to do that for you right you know I mean? and, and and hiring someone to do it for you is leveraging yeah you know delegating yeah you know which which is an important skill to have too yeah. but you know uh trading stock initially and working as a pharmacy tech you know taught me to hustle because when i started working as a technician when people would call out at other stores, other than the Goshen Giant I was working at, I grabbed their shift. So if I'm getting off at, you know, four o'clock or three o'clock and you called out of your 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. shift at Milestone down the street, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there at five to 9 p.m. and I'm eating your money. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and that mentality of hustle, you know, it's just, you know, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I'm going to outsmart you. You know, I may not be the hardest working person. But I'm going to outwork you, mm-hmm. you know, in that task, whatever yeah, that task yeah. has to be. In the you know, you know, you, you, you might be able to count pills faster than me as a pharmacy tech and you might look better in the lab coat. But you call out on your shift. I got the advantage because I'm getting your money. Because I'll work it. You understand where I'm coming from? Is counting pills like a thing that you have one of your responsibilities, one of your tasks? As a, pharma- <laughs> as a pharmacy tech, you're counting 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Really? All the time. Or, or a lot of pharmacies have automatic pill counters. Uh, I was going to say, is that not, like a skill that one person can do better than another person? Like, is that something? I was mean. Like? <laughs> I was super mean counting. I mean, I Best, was, I fastest counter this side of the Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I put the right pills in the right quantity in the right bottle. <laughs> and the pharmacist didn't have to double check me or Facts. question me or nothing like that. And that actually incentivized me to start studying, taking courses, I should say. Uh, towards getting my farm D, mm-hmm. you know, initially when I was in college, I was like, "What do I want to do?" It wasn't. I wasn't a business major initially. I was actually a farm D, I should say JD major. I was taking courses towards, you know, potentially going to law school and taking courses towards getting my farm D because UMB at the time had a JD farm D program. So I'm like, okay, I can go work for a pharmaceutical company and be their general counsel, maybe, or I can go work for a law firm and sue pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking initially. Mm-hmm. You know, and and and. Uh, I think that, you know, the idea behind business came to me when I was elected student Senate president at Montgomery College. So they had a race in which students could enter and then run for student government. So I ended up being elected as a student president uh, and we had to raise money to fund certain activities because we had a certain budget that the school allowed us you know, to, to spend. And I remember my friends used to negotiate with Papa John's in Germantown and they would get a large quantity of pizzas, you know, for like $6 a piece and then sell the slices on campus for $3, you know? So eight slices to a pizza is less than a dollar a slice. We're Mm -hmm. selling it for three. We're making stupid profit. Mm -hmm. And we would take that cash, you know, put it in a box or put it in someone's account and then use that to throw events. So, you know, Managing the money from a very, you know, small perspective in that role, you know, and, you know, kind of excited me. And, 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 and there was always the 
go to make more and more money so we could do a even better event. Like yeah. we did a rap battle. We did uh, American Idol, a mock American Idol mm-hmm. uh, uh, contest one time. We did a lot of different events together. And I just remember all of us thinking in our heads, like, we want to make more and more money so we can do more and more things. Man, you know what's so interesting about that, bro? Um, <clears throat> something that I often think about is like, I really only want to make money so that I can use more money to do more things that I want to do. It's, you it's know that, what I'm saying? To make money. Like, it's you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really crazy. It's like, I only want to make money so that I have more money to, like, do a bigger thing to make more money off of that thing. You it's know that, what I mean? It's, it's literally that simple. It's like just recycling the shit over and over. And, like, and you know what I like about being an entrepreneur? What I like about being an entrepreneur is when you have a nine to five job, for, uh, four to five days a week. We know we all know that people who work nine to fives work more than forty hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know whether you're at home, look checking an email, mm-hmm. or you are driving home from work and you're on and you're the phone about thinking. work and you're mentally yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're, but you know the the difference between being an employee and being an entrepreneur is being an entrepreneur. Generally speaking, you'll have to put out fires. You know at different times, mm-hmm. but you can literally in a day orchestrate. How your time is being spent. Mm -hmm. That's what I like about being an entrepreneur. There's value in being an employee. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've been an employee. I've been self-employed. I've been both. There's value in both. But what what I what made what led me to being an entrepreneur was was the freedom of how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. Who I'm spending my time with, okay? Because if you're the guy hiring everyone in the building. You get to determine how you spend your time and who you want to spend your time with, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really just being able to take money and do interesting things with it. Yeah. Whether it be giving someone a job or, uh, you know, using an interesting piece of equipment, you know, that you're buying for your business. It, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's very, it's the creative space that I like to thrive in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, in college, I never considered starting a business. Um, I, I was always on the career path because in college, that's what they teach you. You are here to get a job. Get a job, yeah. Okay? That, so you can pay this off. <laughs> you know what I'm that's that's the craziest shit. That's it. If you, you go are, to college on a loan, it's like- You're here to you're get a job. get a job to pay off the education you got that's 10 it. years ago. It's, <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally crazy and- I never met a business owner that was one of my college professors. You know, none of my college professors that I recall were business owners, even my business professors. Yeah, it's very interesting how, you know what I'm saying, Um, because I listen to a lot of like uh, podcasts by people who might run a business or like, you know what I'm saying, some of of the people who I pay attention to content wise are, you know what I'm saying, some uh, business moguls that I look up to or whatever. And they kind of make these points where, you know, People who teach about business don't run businesses. You know what I mean? So it's like they're teaching you like the theory of how to run a business or like what it looks like to run a business, not the actual. I think every every business is individual and you learn as you go. You know what I'm saying? That's what running my family's business has taught me. You know what I mean? And it's very interesting how like there's a whole system of education system that like teaches you how to theoretically run a business. I want to know actually though, like what did you learn in your um, business courses? 
Because you went to college, you went to Montgomery College for correct. business. I went correct. to Montgomery College for business. Yeah, yeah so, so I ended up. So after I got a C on organic chemistry, I was like, okay, pharmacy ain't for me. <laughs> Straight up. Right. Oh yeah, orgo. That right. shit. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a biology. I was a biology like Jordan, major. I was know. a biology major in undergrad. So yeah, I did orgo and I did the whole like sciences. Oh thing. no, that shit was. I was like, crazy. bro, that ain't for me. Shit was crazy. No, I'm not messing up my GPA no Yeah, straight up. I'm good. So I ended up studying business, and I remember my dad telling me. He was like, man, he's like, why'd you major in business? Uh, you know, that's what dumb people do. That's what my dad told me, straight up. Yeah. And I was like, damn, why did he say that? So I transferred to the University of Maryland, got to the University of Maryland. I remember sitting in the back row and everyone is on Facebook. This is like 2008, almost nine, maybe. Oh, okay. Everyone is on Facebook. Yeah, sounds about right. In, in, the, in the front row. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, I'm the only person like taking notes and making sure that I'm getting everything. Oh, everyone's like like bullshitting on the Everyone internet, is bullshitting. Yeah, 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 Everyone yeah, yeah. is literally bullshitting <laughs> on their computer in yeah. front of me. Like, you know, and I'm in a, and I, I went from MC to Maryland and it's like 400 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the the room. And everyone is on Facebook. No one is paying attention to the yeah, professor. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that was like the second or third class. I remember I'm just like and I just walked out. Uh-huh. I was like, "You know what?" I don't need to be here to get to ace this class. And mm-hmm. I did, and I ended up still acing the class. Yeah. But from that day, that taught me, I was like, look, if all these people, okay, are going after the same job as me, and I'm the only serious dude in here, then I, I, ha- I can't fail. I can't fail. So from that day on, it taught me, it taught me, you know, a very valuable thing about college. Okay. 90% of the people who go to college are just bullshitting. That's it. It's like it's like the next step in their life, so that's why they're there. It's not they're, necessarily they're, like they're, they're, for they're development. Just, they're just, just bullshitting, like to, right? To check the box. And then you got another ten percent. And and the thing is, some of those people that are bullshitting are still smart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away, but they're not putting in any effort. You understand mm-hmm. to the system, mm-hmm. okay? So they may not have any goals. They may just be trying to just land somewhere. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know. But from that moment, I realized that. I had to be greater. I had to, you know, I was born for something that wasn't me talking to a recruiter at University of Maryland and then getting hooked up with an accounting job, an entry level accounting job and making 45K a year or 50K a year. Yeah. That wasn't what I was born for. Yeah. Because I was already making 45, 50K a year as a pharmacy tech, getting those, getting other people's shifts. Mm-hmm. You know, you, again, remember you called out, I got your shift. Mm-hmm. I'm already making 50K a year. Mm-hmm. I don't have a degree, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm hustling on the side. I remember one year in college, I'm like 23, I made 75K. So I'm like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? I know how to make money. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know how to do was make a business, okay? And, and, what I, and what it took me up until this point, until age 32, to make a business that is that can be sustainable. Yeah. You know, I'm still learning that process as well. So, you know, I, 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 think, seeing, I think through my own failures, you know, in school, like organic organic chemistry, getting that C, I think the challenges that I had gave me the interest and the passion to pursue making money. Because at the end of the day, that's what business is about. You got to want to make money, but you got to want to do something with the money too. Yeah, you know. And what helps you sleep at night, or what makes you sleep at night, is really knowing that at the end of the day, I helped as many people as I could from the time my eyelids opened. To the time they close. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you sleep at night. It's not the money. Because mm-hmm. I've had Lamborghinis. I've had Rolls Royce. I've had Bentleys. I've I've had 
a lot of luxury cars that I shouldn't have bought, mm-hmm. okay, because it was excessive debt. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you know, you're rolling down 270 in the Lamborghini and you got the hot chick next to you and da-da-da-da-da. But it, 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 it literally, that moment will just last for that moment. For that moment. Mm. That's it, you know? And, uh, you know, when I was in college, I started volunteering for this organization called Sunday Suppers. And what I loved about that organization is we fed homeless people on the street in downtown D.C. Uh, at 4th and K Northwest and also at 9th and I Street. And it was just a very raw uh, environment to be in where we're setting up tables and we're handing out, you know, pasta and bread and all different types of stuff, you know, for people. So it was not a low carb diet, that's for sure. <laughs> so we're handing out food to the homeless people. And I remember this lady uh, was in a wheelchair. I think her name was Mary. And she lived in Section 8 housing. And she was one of the most articulate people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, Caucasian woman uh, living with a bunch of black people in the projects. And she was a former librarian. She had been injured. And I guess the library fired her and she just never recovered from her back injury. And she and I used to talk about books and all different types of stuff. And I've never read, I don't think I've ever read up until maybe age 23, 24. I never read a book that didn't somehow center on religion. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I never read a book that that did not center on religion. Yeah. Is what I mean to say. So, you familiar with Chronicles of Narnia? Yes. Right. So that's like has some religious elements in it. But all throughout high school and all throughout you know the seminary years, I had only read books on theology, systematic theology to 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 uh, you know clarify. And she could talk that language with me. She could talk that highbrow intellectual, uh, you know, she could ponti- pontificate, you know, yeah, with yeah, me, right. you, you know, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I'm on the street. She's almost homeless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm having this highbrow conversation with an individual who is very caring, very loving, would give the shirt off her back to me if I needed it. Mm-hmm. And she don't have shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. And you know what Sunday Supper has really taught me? And I, and I met another guy named Amos who, you know, failed, I think, his computer science test or something along those lines. Forgive me. I don't know the exact terminology, but some kind of test to certify himself as to, for working in IT. Yeah. So, you know, he failed that three times. He was homeless. He was homeless. Failed it three times, fourth time, passed it, like got a room to rent, got off the street. Like I'm, I, I developed relationships with these people. And you know what it taught me? No matter how bad it might be in my life, okay, no matter what I might be lacking, whether it be money, whether it be family, whether it be friends, anything else, I can overcome. I can overcome because these people are coming every Sunday, not just for a meal, but they're also coming for fellowship. Yeah. So the, 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 you know, I found that organization because I was, I think, I forget what I was doing. I think I was, um, you know, I was walking somewhere in Northwest DC and I just saw a whole bunch of people just, you know standing around they look kind of homeless and dejected and then i saw the volunteers mm-hmm. and i remember just going up you know i'm a very social person and saying hey i'm kevin polite you know can i help you know and uh I, i've been with that organization on and off for going on eight nine years now you know this coming sunday i'm going down there at six o'clock to, to to help the people and you know uh I'm, I'm permanently indebted to everyone that i met through this organization because they all 
taught me to persevere. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, for anybody who feels like they've gotten the short end of the stick or that feels like they've been abused or taken advantage of, it's okay. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's just your organic chemistry right there. Mm-hmm. You know? That's 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 your class like that your setback for your career. That's right. That's that's just the setback before, you know, things get on and popping. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh don't be discouraged, you know. Don't 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 drop out. Yeah. You know, just just continue to persevere and and and, and you'll get through it because everything happens for a reason, man. Yeah. You know, I've had ups and downs from childhood to now. Mm-hmm. You know, thing crazy things that have happened that I never thought I would, you know, get past. You know, and uh, you know, mental health is a huge thing now. And uh well, I don't think it's a huge thing now. I just think social media and the media are now finally saying, you know what, we got a problem. We got a, a damn problem. But mental health has been something that I've uh, you know, been very concerned about uh amongst my friends and my family because I've experienced recently issues in my family and amongst my friends where I'm like, do they need help? Mm-hmm. You know, and it made me a better listener because I wasn't listening before, you know, like I recently had a relative um, uh, try to kill herself, a very close relative. And uh, when I got the phone call, you know, it was at three o'clock in the middle of the day, I'm at work. I got the phone call and uh, she had said that she had put a bunch of pills down her throat. You know, and um, I didn't know what to do. And she was not local. She was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And nothing else mattered in that moment. Didn't matter what was going on at work. Didn't matter how much money I had in the bank. Didn't matter what I was going to have for lunch. None of that mattered because I needed to be there for her. Fortunately, she did survive that. And she got the help she needed. And she's doing really well. But, you know, it made me stop and think, What's really important, okay. you know, is 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 uh, you know, I want to be rich. There's no question about that, okay. But I don't want to be rich if it means that I lose who I am and become greedy. Yeah, you know, I don't want to lose who I am and 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 what is what got me here, you know, to this point. Um. So I'm fine with not being rich, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. fine. If 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 at the end of the day, people like that lady Mary or Amos or the individuals at Sunday Suppers, you know, because I still keep in contact with a lot of them and some of them I haven't seen in a long time. At the end of the day, if that's what I'm remembered for, I'm cool because a coffin is only but so big. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the can't fit the Lamborghini or the house or the the Ace of Spades bottles that I've wasted money on over the years. Straight up. It can't fit all that shit in there. Yeah. You know what's really interesting about what you just said? Uh-huh. Um, I've, for a long time, bro, I was, like, scared to die. Like, I was, like, scared of it. Like, I like, I lived very timidly. I, I didn't notice it in the moments, but, like, I lived very timidly in the sense of, like, when I get on a plane, I'm, like, I hope I don't die. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, literally saying, like, doing things and things. I, like, think I hope that. every I time hope I'm on I plane. don't die, right? <laughs> but, um, nah, but that like. Turbulence is kind of like a scary That's there. a fact. That's a fact. I don't fight Spirit Airlines anymore yeah, because no, of that. Spirit, straight oh up, my God. Straight up. Spirit but, 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 but where I'm going with this, though, is that fucking. Um, what you were saying about like, oh, if I'm remembered for this, it's enough. Like, yeah. ever since I started kind of like living in my purpose and like uh, really going hard with the things that I believe in and 
just like kind of like living the life that I saw myself living when I would fa- fantasize about what my adulthood looked like. You know what I'm saying? Once I started kind of like, uh, don't get me wrong, dog. I still got so much more that I'm like aiming for, but like I'm really checking off boxes like in a in a rapid way or just in a way I, I'm really 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 content with like how I've built my life up to be like I still have like goals and aspirations that I'm trying to attain but I'm content with how my life looks right now right and I've literally said the same thing to myself that you just said like if I'm remembered for the things that I've done up till today, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, Hell yeah. life is fucking hard, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it this is. shit is, it's hard to get up and do this shit every day. It is. And it, it, it's at a point where it's hard and it's fun and it's like, I, I experience all the emotions and I'm, I'm cool with experiencing all the emotions. I don't think I have to go through a day being only happy. Like, I'm okay with being happy, sad, angry, mad. Like, I'm, I'm okay with being all of that shit throughout a day. But, like, this shit is difficult. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I look at things now of, like, if, like, today's my day, I'm proud of, like, what I did in the last, like, three, four years and, like, what I know people feel about it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like people, I feel like I'll be missed. That's all, that's ultimately what I care about. Like, will I be missed by the people that love me? You know what I'm saying? Or the people that say they do. Like, will they feel it for a moment? Of course, they'll go on with their lives and I want them to. But it's like, will you feel it? Do I have that kind of impact on you where, like, you feel it for a little bit before you go on to, like, living the rest of your life? And I feel like... Just through like me carrying out my, you know what I'm saying, making content for people that I care about and having that content resonate with their audiences, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. Helping people build their brands, helping people achieve their goals, helping people like do what they want to do and me just like doing what I want to do in the process. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of what I said out that's literally like when I was a kid, I said I want to take care of my family. You know what I'm saying? It looked differently when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it looked like maybe me writing my mom a check every month. You know what I'm saying? Now it's me running her business that writes her a check every month. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm actually helping my folks. I'm actually helping my friends. So I'm I'm just kind of like, if this was it for me today, like today, I'm kind of happy with like I, I, me personally, I'm happy with like what I'm leaving with. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. And ever since, ever since I kind of came to that realization, I'm not really scared of death anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if this took a morbid turn. It, <laughs> but like, it, 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 didn't, it didn't take a morbid turn. But you know what? While I'm listening to you, all I can think of is Dr. King. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like my mother grew up in uh, College Park, Maryland. She's she's a Terp. You know, hail to the Terps. Shout out to that. Um. And she experienced segregation, you know, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. If my mother's listening, she's going to be like, why are you telling me? <laughs> going to school in the 60s. I mean, if you were you in the 60s, me. you experienced it. Mom, you old. It. You yeah. know, nah. <laughs> she uh, said you <laughs> Straight up. Nah, but uh, my mother um, experienced segregation. And my grandmother, her mother, was uh, my grandmother, who's now deceased, uh, Sarah Robinson. She was, I uh, used to call her... Um, Grandma Dynamite, because mm-hmm. she was a bus monitor, and one day she got on the bus, and you know several uh, you know white children tried to fight her, and we're calling her the N word and all this kind of stuff, and um, she quieted them down, you know, got everything straight on the bus, but never developed a hatred in her heart for or against white people. That's very interesting. You understand? And then my mother, you know, grew up going to school. 
when segregation was was uh, when the schools desegregated, I should mm-hmm. say, you know, there was still a lot of animosity. Yeah, of course, it's not like you just you know, make that law and then everybody right. just forgets so, how they so, feel. So you, so you got a middle school child that's being called the N word every single day, being spit on, be, you know, rocks being thrown at her house, rocks being thrown at her car, you know, her bus, you know, out of her black neighborhood that pulls up at, at the school, and she went to. Um, uh, you know, school in PG County, Parkdale mm-hmm. uh, high, high School. And uh, she never had hatred in her heart towards white people, no matter what. Dr. King did not have hatred in his heart mm-hmm. towards white people. And we all know what ended up happening to, to Dr. King. Mm-hmm. But those people who are able to achieve success despite the mountains that they have to climb, I mean, if we look at 2020, yeah, yeah, I know there's shit on the internet and there's negative stuff and there's racist people and that sort of thing. But fuck all that. You know, that's no excuse to not continue to achieve greatness. You understand? That's no excuse to to, har- to harbor hatred in your heart towards anybody, yeah. no matter what anyone does to me. And, you know, I've had to let go a lot of times animosity towards people who have done me wrong. You know, people who have stolen money from me. People who talk shit behind my back. And and even when you are wronged, it does not give you the excuse to retaliate. Because there's nothing that's happening to us right now as blacks in 2020. And in a society, you know, in American society, there's nothing happening to us right now that could even remotely come close to what was happening in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And what was happening when Dr. King was trying to rally people for change, you know? So I think about individuals like Dr. King and what they have overcome Rosa Parks to make that decision to not give up her seat, to not give up. That That's the decision. Mm-hmm. It's not about a seat. It's to not give up. You know, we focus on the seat. It ain't about the seat. She had that mentality beforehand. And it's the same mentality that I think all of us need to adopt, no matter if we're black, white, gay, straight, no matter what. We can't give up. You know what I mean? We we need to hold firm to our beliefs, but at the same time, we got to understand that um, no matter what happens to us and even if we feel wronged in a situation, it doesn't give us the, the right to go out and, you know, protest and destroy neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and protest if that's how you feel, okay? My protest is me starting a business. Mm-hmm. My protest is is me doing things that normal people feel they can't do or shouldn't do. That's my protest. I don't need to go out and hold a sign or nothing like that. Start a business. Hire some people. You know what I mean? Sell a business. That's my protest. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 uh you know what comes to mind is what happened during, you know, the the riots in Baltimore, you know, a few years ago. Like that was really sad to see. You know, I understand the I understand the anger and the frustration. But, you know, going back to what you were saying, in that moment, do you think any of those people who were breaking those businesses and causing that disturbance in Baltimore, in that moment, do you think that they were thinking about death? No, Mm. they weren't thinking about death. They weren't. You know, they were thinking they were invincible and couldn't get caught and couldn't get hurt. And and, And the thing is, I think, you know, considering what your life can be prior to you die is healthy 
for anybody, because the moment you stop thinking about death and you think you're invincible, that's a very dangerous person right there. Okay, you know, we talk about like the evil evils of the world, like shout out to Travis Pastrana, who's from Maryland. He's one of the greatest um, Moto X uh, racers and and, and stunt performers of all time. Um, Travis Pastrana is not afraid to die. Yeah, that's a dangerous motherfucker right there. You know what I mean? I mean, the kind of stuff he's done on a dirt bike. But, you know, you know, that's his that's been his career. He's trained to do it. He's been through it, that sort of thing. You know, but for someone just on the street who doesn't have shit. Who's not afraid to die? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a, we all know. Like from the streets, that's a dangerous dude right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you that's Debo right there on the block. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be around that dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think for all of us, it's a healthy uh, emotion, so to speak, yeah. and a healthy fear uh, to to consider death and consider yeah. what we want our lives to be before that. Facts, facts. You know, it's I, I think it's kind of interesting how we're like. On this journey of story of like cul-de-sac, how you got this right. business, we're like veering off into all these. I know we're talking about a lot topics. of shit. Yeah. But um, just to kind of bring it back to that. So um, <clears throat> tell me what like starting that business was like, like how did that oh, come about from being, you know, what I'm saying a business student at Maryland yeah. to like kind of deciding that wasn't how you're going to get it done. Yeah. How did you right. realize like how you were going to get it done and like what you were going to get done? So funny story. Uh, I was actually hanging out with him last night. My boy Andres uh, Marajan, uh one of my good friends uh, on my birthday back in 2011, he suggested that we rent a limousine for my birthday. So he says, hey, I got a guy. He has a big stretch, 20 passenger. We can get 20 people, 10 girls, 10 guys. We'll have a lot of fun. And, you know, if I could preface this, I was working, while I was working as a pharmacy tech, um, I started throwing house parties, okay, to make money. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm working with the students on campus to raise money for different activities for the students, but we couldn't throw a house party in connection with Montgomery College. Or that's yeah. not going to fly. Okay. But I'd already been hanging out at University of Maryland prior to me transferring there because I knew I was going to go there. So I wanted to network and I got an idea to borrow someone's house because I wanted to throw it at my house. <laughs> Straight up. And throw a house party. Well, first the first house move. party, we made four grand. Okay. Uh, paid the DJ, paid, had security, you know, broke off my boys and put a put a money, you know, aside for the next party, you know, to get kegs from TikTok or wherever we were mm-hmm. we were buying kegs from. Uh, so the second party, uh, you know, we made like six, seven grand off that, you know. And I remember young DC from WPGC 95.5 reached out to us and said, look, this these parties y'all throwing are serious. Like you got hundreds of people coming to your parties. And like I heard, yeah. And a ha- like we're talking about a house. Like this a is a lovely house? home. No, we're talking about like like small house, college park, fifty year old home, like Rambler, <laughs> straight up <laughs> with like four hundred people in it. Crazy. And we didn't text no one or call anyone to come. We simply used social media, mm-hmm. and we had five hundred people at that party, mostly women. Which is not easy to do. Yeah. You know, but people knew our reputation. They knew that if Kevin Polite, Tim Ramsing, Jeff Jackson, DJ Zion were throwing a party, you know, Sharu's, uh, Sean, shout out to Sean, I haven't seen you in years, DJ Falco. <laughs> if if we were throwing a party, it was gonna be dope. It was gonna be a dope event. We had that brand, right? Mm-hmm. So when Young DC invited us to go to Club Twenty Four. I met this kid named Moss and we started, you know, booking DJs and doing all this kind of stuff. I met another DJ named Mad Hands, Muhammad Talat. Shout out to Muhammad. 
uh, he invited me to invited me to a club called Josephine. I actually worked at that club for a few years. So at the point in which my boy Andres, you know, said, let's get a limo. We knew where we were going. We we're going to Josephine. I'd already been working there for about a year as a promoter. We got the limo. Okay. And had a great time. I'm like, we need to do this again in three days because I'm a man of excess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't stop. I got to just keep going, keep going, Straight keep going, up, right? Uh, it's like when people are congratulating me for the one thing, I'm like thinking, like, how can I duplicate this? Or how oh, can I get this congratulations facts. again facts. as soon as possible? Facts, facts, facts. <laughs> so, like, so, you know, we probably went out on like a weekend. I'm like, let's go out on a Wednesday. Yeah, you know, up. we got school tomorrow. Straight it don't up. matter. Let's go. Straight up. So anyway, so we kept going like one, two times a week. Then finally, you know, I think my, my, my birthday obviously was like October 26th. You know, uh, shout out Scorpios. Yeah. Uh, That's just coming up. <laughs> we um, went out on New Year's Eve and the owner of the limo company, JC, he's like, he's like, look, it's going to be more because it's New Year's Eve. It's a premium holiday. I'm like, how much more? And he's like, $100 more. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we made sure it was good with the crew, got the crew together, got down to the club. When we got down to the club, he actually ended up charging us less. So we had a $100 surplus. Now, I got a Benjamin in my hand. I'm like, hmm, what should I do with this? I'm like, well, Andres, the right thing to do is just to give, it was a 20-passenger limo, $100 surplus, give $5 back to every person. You know, so we asked everyone, y'all want your money back? You want us to go buy drinks with a hundred dollars? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, buy drinks. It's New Year's Eve. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. party. So we ended up buying drinks. The next morning after I woke up, after I was hungover, I'm sure, mm-hmm. I started thinking, I was like, hmm, you know, normally we pay 600 for the 20 passenger limo and it's 30 ahead. We paid 35 for the 20 passenger limo, it was 700. Now, when we book a limo in another week or two, when we book it next, it's going to be back to 600. I'm going to keep the price at seven. So I make a hundred bucks every time I book this jump. That's what started the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started charging 700 and my cost was 600. I'm brokering. Start charging 750, 800. You know, I'm charging different friends, different prices, you know, that sort of thing. And we're negotiating, but I'm always trying to make at least a hundred every time I book a limo. So mm-hmm. I started booking two limos a week, three limos a week, four limos a week, booking limos for not just going to the club, Josephine, but going to the wedding, going to bar mitzvahs. People are like, you're the limo guy. You're the limo guy, right? You know, I'm booking limos in different cities. But you're really like the middleman between. I'm ju- I don't own a limo. Yeah. I don't have insurance. <laughs> I don't even have a real bank account. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, accepting. Yeah. You're all- just, you're just. They're calling you, and then you're calling the I'm limo the plug. company. <laughs> I'm the plug. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like literally, I'm literally getting 800 through my PayPal account and transferring 600 to the limo company. Yeah. You know, I'm just a plug. But in one year, I made like 150 grand. Gross, yeah. You know, with like thirty percent net profit. That's crazy. So I'm sitting on this money. I'm like, hmm, I got a viable business here, you know. And um, that led me to buy my my first car, mm-hmm. which was not a limo, mm-hmm. uh, because I learned through networking with other limo companies that black car business makes money. You know, at the time, this is all when Uber was just coming out. It was an idea. Uber really oh, wasn't so killing Uber was it. Was in the Uber was not even heard, in D.C. at name, the time. But I'm saying like you heard of Uber at this time? I had heard of you Uber heard at this time that it was getting popping in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but uh, this was 2012. Okay. So it really wasn't. It, I don't it think Uber was everywhere. in D.C. in 12. Yeah. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. 
but it, it, it definitely wasn't anything that I, my friends were using. Mm-hmm. We weren't using Uber. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't start using Uber until like 16, 17, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, like my friends. So at not. this point, people are just like either driving themselves to the club or like Correct. metroing. Correct. The club. Yeah, driving themselves to the club, metroing or or booking the limo. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have like four or five. I would like literally be standing outside of Josephine. I'd have two limos going to Josephine, another limo going to another club, mm-hmm. another limo going to another club, party bus going here. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching my vehicles just go up and down K Street. But no vehicles that you owned at this point. Did not own like, any of the vehicles at my point. Known. You were pretty much getting business to whatever. I was just, right. And, and I was just brokering. And honestly, after I started studying the business, I was like, well, I want to keep brokering. I, do this. I don't want to <laughs> own yeah. any of the vehicles or oh, employ any okay. of the drivers. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. that was the Uber model. That's personal brand too. Like that's like you being Kevin and right. like being able to make money off of you being Kevin. That's you it. You know what I mean? That's it. That's like, it. Personal branding is will, so key. I will, I'm the guy that will book the limo for you. You right. know what I mean? And make sure it's clean. Make yeah, sure it shows facts, up on time. Facts. I'm hitting the driver up five times. You're there. You're there. You're facts, there. You're there. Facts, you know what I mean? Facts. Uh, is it but clean? But it's like literally you could just call this limo company yourself. You could. Correct. Like that's what... Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Correct. They could. That's but, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they could. And, yeah, but, yeah. but the thing is, a lot of times people will do business with you just because they like. They you. like you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. It. That's what I'm saying. It's personal brand. That's what I'm saying. That's it's it. you being Kevin. Like people are just like, I'll just have him do it. You know what I'm saying? Like he did it for me last weekend and it was solid. Like he did I'll it for my boy. He did it for I'll my just, grandma. Yeah. I'll just have him do it. Like right. a lot of people don't like you know, honestly calling whether it's like I, I'm going through this right now where I have to change a flight uh, ticket. Uh, I, I would have somebody do that for me just because like I tried to do it last week they had me on hold for like two hours oh, on and hold now, I, now I'm just thinking about like damn I gotta do this again you know what I mean but it's right. like I would easily have someone do this for me oh, of, you know course. I mean? of course like, of course but yeah yeah but yeah. I get it yeah you know um if I could have someone walk my dogs in the rain, <laughs> straight know? up, straight up yeah hey, like, I'm about get send me your resume that you don't want to do you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying so, so yeah, how did so how but you go from there? Yeah, so so I bought my first car because I was talking to different people in the industry and I noticed that they had like black sedans and I was like, you know, this is your first personal car or like no, business, this is car my first black for business. car for okay. for the business, okay. right? So uh, I'm thinking to myself, you know. I could get a stretch limo and I started looking at the prices and maintenance. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get a stretch limo. Straight It'd be up. easy for me to trade in this car and get like a nice little black on black car. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to other limo company owners and figuring out what the bulk of their business was. And it was corporate, not the weekend shit. You know, not the party bus and the limo stuff. It's the corporate stuff. That's where the money is in, in the black car, limo, chauffeur transportation, ground transportation industry. What does a corporate client look like? Like, what do you do? Corporate client could be one or two individuals. It could be a CEO mm-hmm. or a high-powered person within a company. Or They just don't drive regular cars. Correct. They don't or drive they don't because, because what does driving take up? Time. Time. Can you go through your emails while you're driving? Well, you shouldn't oh, be. Facts. Shouldn't yeah, be. Facts. Uh, so, or the corporate person could be someone that, you know, works at a company, uh, it could be a Fortune 500 company or a small business that understands the value of being able to get to the airport stress-free and um, safely and, 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 and understands the value of commercial insurance too. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that, because uh, some companies require a, a transportation company to present a certificate of insurance to them. So, um, you know, there's a lot of values with the with uh, luxury ground transportation um, so I started to network with other limo company owners and uh, understand what their business models were centered around. And mine was just nightlife at the mm-hmm, time, just mm-hmm. partying, which mm-hmm. was easy for me. I was 24, I guess, at the time. And uh, I had that demographic. So 
when I bought the first black car, which was a 2007 Toyota Avalon, mm-hmm. all right, uh, I quickly learned that that was the wrong car to start off on, and I learned about American cars. But I didn't like American cars because Toyotas, I love them. Mm-hmm. They don't break. Oil yeah. changes, tires, brakes. The parts, like, it's easy to fix. That's all you got to do, oil changes, tires, and brakes. You're not going to have any problem with the engine or trans unless yeah. if you take care of it, right? And the interiors are well-built. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone liked the car initially, and I hired my, ended up hiring my first chauffeur. Uh, and, um, you know, he was uh, – you know, he was a great guy and would take care of the clients. And but I realized that I, you know, I wanted more. I wanted to really grow the business and get a second car and get a third car, that sort of thing. But I didn't know how because I was still working as a club promoter at the time, mm-hmm. still working as a pharmacy tech. Okay, so I left Giant and went to a small compound pharmacy called Knowles Apothecary, um, and I was actually making compounds for pets because I love animals. I'm obsessed over my own two dogs. Uh, so you know. We were making six figures probably in the first year that I incorporated. I, I got with the CPA and she helped me structure the business and understand the tax this is implications. Just based off, the, off the clients that you had before starting the business? Correct, like, correct. Really your friends type shit? Correct, correct. So, Damn, so, that's crazy. so what I did is, you know, through my networking, I, I, I was at the time I, w- I would pass out business cards to anybody. Mm-hmm. Homeless, here's my business card. <laughs> I don't give you a damn who you are. You know, like, you might know somebody who knows somebody <laughs> who knows up. somebody. I don't care what Straight you look up. like or who you are. Straight you up. might know someone who knows someone you know and I, and I was very cognizant of that I really understood the power of networking and making sure that people knew who I was mm-hmm. you know for you know to, for effect you know not to be popular because I never gave a damn about popularity mm-hmm. but people who knew who I knew knew who I was so that we could do some sort of a transaction mm-hmm. at some point you know um, so just off of the club people and my friends you know, I was able to network and, and build that business within the first year for that car to to a quarter million dollar business. That's great. Now I had so much overflow, I was farming out like crazy. It's a term in our industry when you farm out, you're basically you book it. Well, that's essentially what I was doing when I was club promoting. I didn't have cars. I farmed out everything because I didn't have cars. Yeah. So you know, I take the job and then I give it to another limo company, and I'm farming out like every day mm-hmm. you know and i'm like man i need a second and third car but how am i going to get that if i can't hire a driver i'm still working full-time you know what i mean as a pharmacy tech mm-hmm. oh okay. yeah. yeah so one day my boss who is still a friend of mine former former boss at the pharmacy his name is darnell drummond nice dude uh he's like look we're gonna have a seven o'clock meeting on a friday who calls a 7 p.m meeting on a friday mm-hmm. to this day i will never let him get over that mm-hmm. and i had a like a 7 30 pickup in Frederick. I was working in Kensington at the time. You, we all know to go up 270 on a Friday evening is going to be hell, mm-hmm. right? This 7 p.m. meeting, I cannot attend. And I'm going to be late for my client. Tried to farm it out to another company, couldn't. I'm like, look, I, I can't attend the meeting. He's like, you, it's a mandatory meeting. You have to attend. So I walked out. Yeah. Walked out, got in my car, started driving up 270 and started crying. Why am I crying? Because I just quit my job and I'm not sure if this business can sustain me for my bills. But I knew I had to be on time for that client. I believed enough in the company, in the brand, and in what we were trying to accomplish that I'd be okay. So got to his house, picked him up, took him to the casino. He ended up on an as directed for like 12 hours and tipped me an extra 500 bucks because he won a big pot during blackjack. Yeah. 
you know, so it ended up working out. I made over a thousand bucks in 24 hours, more than I would have ever made at the pharmacy tech. Kevin, this is what you need to be doing full time. Yeah. That was it. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, <clears throat> so once you officially leave your, your, like your solid job, right. you know what I mean? Where you were employee at, like what was the next steps? Because, you know, that that one client is not going to be your 365. No, you know, we're not going to make $1,000 yeah, every, every day. And then make as a, a dream resident, 12 hour as director is a dream resident. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, how do you then, like, okay, so did you have clients already that were lined up to when you made this year 100% full time thing? It was seamless. Like, what, what did that transition from like having one solid job and this being your side thing? To it being your full time thing, what did that like transition look like? Was it seamless? Was it like I assume it wasn't seamless. It wasn't. <laughs> se- it wasn't seamless. Yeah. But I had a lot of help mm-hmm. from the limo industry, from affiliates who had fifteen cars, twenty cars, fifty cars, bigger companies than myself. They believed in me. They were like, "Yo, you need to grow. Like, you got this. You got the passion. You've got the." Excuse me, the business acumen. It's not competitive? It wasn't competitive? It, it wasn't it, like- It is competitive, but when you're giving another limo company a hundred grand a year in farm out work- Oh, okay. They're going to they're gonna do what they need to do to to help you out. Yeah. You understand where I'm coming from? It's just, it's, it's just business at the end of the day. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't think anyone ever saw me as a threat, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't- I, I never had the kind of persona as a business owner where I thought I was better than anyone mm-hmm. or trying to take their clients- you know, I, I throughout my course of my career, I've had people call me and say, hey, I want to start doing business with you. And I'm like, I can't do business with you because you do business with my friend. Mm-hmm. It's just the way I'd like to do business. Mm-hmm. There's enough of the pie out there for me to get a piece. Facts. I don't have to take your piece. Facts. I don't need your piece. Facts. You know, or I might bake my own pie. Facts. <laughs> you know, you understand big, I'm coming from? I, I, yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to steal from anybody. 100%. So, you know, for me... Um, you know, growing that business was, you know, I, I had a lot of help from people within the limo industry. And it just goes to show how resilient the limo industry is and how caring it is. I mean, the limo industry gives back a lot to, uh, you know, misfor- you know, people with misfortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, it invests a lot in itself as far as education. There's conferences that you can go to and whatnot. So I started attending a lot of these conferences. One of them is uh, the LC- LCT Magazine uh, conference. It's called the Limousine Charter Tour Show. So... Um, I started going uh, to that conference and networking with other limo companies from different parts of the world. And they started doing business with me in D.C. where they would farm me business. And then my company just gradually started growing with word of mouth. And then I created a website and had a Yelp page and I'm getting, you know, referrals. And then I'm going after contract work. So gradually it just started growing. You know, I bought one car, traded that car in, got the Lincoln, got another Lincoln, got a Cadillac. Got, you know, Suburban, started getting Sprinters and getting into bigger vehicles. You know, I had a stretch limousine for a couple of years. So um, I learned what vehicles made money and I quickly learned what vehicles didn't make money mm-hmm. and quickly learned, you know, what, you know, not every customer is a good customer. Facts. Especially Facts. in transportation because your overhead is so high. Labor cost is one of the highest operating costs of any business. Mm-hmm. It could be anywhere from 20% to 70% in transportation. Uh, more, more, more so. F- I would say in transportation, it's fifty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, labor cost is extremely high. So, you know, I, I was very aware that 
it wasn't the most profitable business from the first time that I got into it. And, and within probably about two to three years, uh, you know, I realized that this is not something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But it was something that I had so much fun with. I mean, I'm driving around celebrities. Uh, I remember at one point I had driven Sharon Stone and she was probably one of my favorite celebrities that I drove because her persona from the movies is just like, is just (laughs) like in real life. Oh, really? Oh, I, I mean, she is absolutely exquisite. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. She's just fabulous, you yeah. know? And, uh, you know, all the celebrities that I drove and all the business people that I drove taught me more and more about my company and taught me more and more about myself and where I wanted to go in life. Because when you're driving someone that's worth a billion dollars, you know, and you're listening to their conversations, not intently, but yeah, you over here, you, yeah. you watch the way they walk, what they wear, yeah, you know, what restaurants they eat at. You know, they're not going to Chipotle, <laughs> which nothing's wrong with Chipotle. Yeah, I'm going to go there after I leave here for facts, sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're they tend to be in environments that are extremely enriching on not just one front, but multiple. Yeah, that's very And I started to hang out at like the Four Seasons hotels, you know, and I would meet like I met Madeline Albright at one at the Four Seasons in Georgetown. I met LeBron James at the Four Seasons in Georgetown just because I was there. Mm-hmm. Not any special event, nothing else, just because I was there. Yeah. And a lot of times the people that I would get in contact with, you know, by hanging in these places where I knew my clients used to frequent, I would pick up more clients. Yeah. And now I'm 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 networking with the bellhop and I'm networking with the front desk person. And I'm like, hey, you know, you refer me some business, I'll give you a free airport transfer for your, for yourself and your family. Yeah. You know, you give me some business, I'll take off half off that party bus for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm leveraging myself, my connections and, and, and just where I am physically. And, and I think a lot of times people don't realize in business, you know, um, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, you don't have to be the smartest person out here because I definitely am not. Okay, facts. So you don't have to be the smartest person out here, but you got to be in the right place at the right time. I was just about to say, you can change that who you know just by changing like where you are. Where you hang out. Bro, I was thinking, so um, I think I was telling you earlier before we got online, like, um, or before we got on air, like, I, you know what I'm saying, kind of changed out my workout routine from what it used to be. I used to be like heavy into yoga. Now I'm just more into like working out with weights and stuff like that. But when I was looking into where I wanted to go gym wise, um, I, I used to go to like Planet Fitness like when I was like you know what I'm saying my early twenties and when I, that was like the last gym that I belonged to but I worked at a gym like a uh, like a small like club gym in Bethesda called uh, Level Fitness and it had like like the membership was like one thirty a month you know what I mean so it was like one of those like you have to have money to like be a member at that gym wow. the types of people that I would meet there bro like and I just worked at the front desk I was just this, this sounds desk. like Equinox and Bethesda it's it's, some, it's something of that like that, that that was like our competitor but we were like a club like, we were literally like it was like a it was like a refurbished house right. into, to, turned into a gym you know what I'm saying but the people that would come there bro like my dad one time when my dad was in town he uh came to pick me up from work because he was borrowing my car while he was here. And the first thing he said was like, man, just like all the cars in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? He was like, what kind of, what kind of gym is this? And I was like, yeah, like it's an expensive gym. So like, like people that can afford it come here. But like the types of people that I met there, bro, like people who were like, 
lawyers that made millions of dollars a year and like people who did TED Talks. You know what I'm saying? I met like, a, like there was a lady who was like leaving a class to go do a TED Talk and she was telling me about like what she was about to talk about. And I was just like, and this was like when I was like first getting into TED Talks. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? But um, fast forward, like having that experience was super valuable because it, like I was introduced to like all different kinds of ideas that like stick stick have stuck with me to this day and that have kind of like been the catalyst of why I think the way I do now, you know what I mean? But fast forward to now when I was looking for a new gym to go to, I like was looking at Lifetime because like yeah, Lifetime is that gym that it costs a lot of money per month and everything, but I was literally thinking about what types of people will I be in the locker room with? What kind of like literally? I was thinking about like Cause you I would be in the locker room. Experience. You're trying to replicate. I would be in the locker room with like true. people who do shit. You know what I'm saying? So I would just eavesdrop on conversations of people, like valuable conversations, versus being in a Planet Fitness where it's like basically free. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody right. could go to. But and it's not even you just see I my like out of shape I put myself, Planet Fitness. You it's just, me? but it's just I want to put myself in situations where like you know what I'm saying I can learn as opposed to just like situations where I'm just drifting through life. You know what I mean? And I feel like I, I, I consciously made that decision because like that's what I was after. I was like, I wanna I wanna go to a I want I wanna be able to kind of like accidentally hear some crazy shit. And I've heard like just I I've heard more like motivating shit. Like I'll hear people talking about like where they're vacationing with their families. You know what I'm saying? Like and I'm just like damn like Maybe one day I can vacation there. Like p- hearing people talk about like dropping two hundred dollars for a massage. You know what I'm saying? Like things that I wouldn't do. And I'm just like, yeah, that's interesting that you do that and think that way. You know what I mean? Right. So I just find that very, very interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like about where you place yourself. You correct. Know correct. And and you know what? You know, two hundred dollars for a massage. That might not be something that I would spend money on. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't depending yeah, yeah, on yeah. if I knew the massage was dope. Yeah, yeah. But you know, a two hundred dollar pair of Jordans, I have spent money on. Yeah, yeah. The and, thing and, is, and, and that's the thing; it's about taste and preference. It's the mindset of like how people spend bread. You Correct. know what I'm saying? I would save up two hundred dollars to buy a pair of J's. You know what Correct. I'm saying? To have two hundred to throw on a massage that's a right, different a 45 like, minute experience you're, you're in a different capacity Correct. you know what I'm saying like you're, totally, you're on a different level it's a like, totally different you know right. like Correct. your 200 is working different from my 200, or 200 because you made your 200 in a different way than I made my 200 right like, I accumulated 200 over weeks of work you did some you have two hundred dollars to well, blow on them, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a different mindset, and it, and, it, and it changes too because maybe that person that spent that two hundred dollars on on uh, massages, they might not have done that five years prior. 100%. They could have had more or less money. It just depends, and they might not do that again. 100%. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, for luxury items like two hundred dollar massage is a luxury item. For luxury items, it's so important, you know, that we pick and choose. You know, as as, as consumers, you know. Uh, what experiences we want to have, you know what I mean? Because money what's is worth it to us. Correct. What's worth it to us? You know, because I, you know, to 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 draw a comparison, like I remember being at Roos Chris with my friend Doug, and I bought him a shot of Louis the Thirteenth cognac. Mm-hmm. It's three hundred dollars a shot, you know. That's so we're not talking about a bottle service. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a little bitty shot that's three hundred bucks, right? That's crazy. That's real. Louis the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. I have I have the bottle that we finished. How much is a bottle in my basement? Or it's three hundred in Ruth Chris. So the bottle, I don't know. I think the bottle at Costco. Someone told me it's at Costco for like two grand. Oh wow. Yeah, and but uh, you're not buying a whole bottle at Ruth Chris. I mean, yeah. that's like 
That'll probably be like, 60, like $15,000. I don't even want to <laughs> even speculate. I don't even know. Yeah, it's true. But it's, it's it's like $100 for a half an ounce, which typically is what you want to do maybe after dinner or something like yeah. that. You don't want to necessarily do a whole shot. Yeah. And then $300, I believe, for- uh, Like a full shot. For a full shot, which is an ounce and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't tell him how much it was. Okay. I just I, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I just told them to bring out the bottle and and they go through a whole presentation. The, the general manager is the only person who can serve it, not mm-hmm. the actual bartender. They bring it out in a silver tray. They bring the special glass, the special shot glasses out that are associated with the bottle. They all, all everything matches, and they pour it out for you. This dude goes, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Just threw it down the hatch. <laughs> oh my god! He just shot three hundred yeah. bucks. What the hell? Straight up. And I told him, I was like, I was like, Doug, that was three hundred bucks. He goes, three hundred dollars for what? Yeah. I said it was a. That's how much it cost. He goes, that was three hundred dollars. He's like, why would you buy that? Yeah. He goes, wait a minute. Why would you buy me a three hundred dollars shot? Yeah. And I said, I wanted you try it. He goes, no, I don't want to ever try it. Yeah. He goes, a three hundred shot. So the thing yeah, is, the whole thing. point. $300 shot was ridiculous to Doug. Yeah. I'm sure he appreciated it, you know, but it was ridiculous to Doug. He was so upset that I bought him a $300 shot. And I'm so upset because he should have sipped it a couple yeah, times yeah, before yeah. shooting it. Yeah. So I bought him a second round. Yeah. Oh, you're wild. <laughs> right. You're wild, man. But, 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 and that's the thing. It's like, you know, that, I would never do that again. Yeah. I can guarantee you I will never buy Louis <laughs> the 13th again. I won't. Straight up. Straight I will up. never buy Louis the 13th ever yeah. again. Done, you know yeah. why? Because the $20 bottle of cognac does the same effect and is perfectly fine for me who I am now. Facts. I will never buy that again. Facts, facts. Never will happen. Nah, facts. I, I, you see I, what I'm I saying? That. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, 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 and I guarantee you today I have more money in my account than I had that day. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. understand where I'm coming from? Different mindset. So it's a different mindset. It's not that I have, it's not that I had more money then. I didn't, but it's because I have changed my behavior and I've and I've changed as a person to who and what I value. Mm-hmm. I still value my friends where if they needed me for whatever, I take care of them within reason. Mm-hmm. You understand where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. But a three hundred dollar shot is not how I'm going to take care of my friends. Yeah, yeah facts. You feel what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So yeah. that's just you know what I realize, and 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 the better financial position that I'm in, the better I am able to think and, and help other people. You know what I mean? Because when you're stressed out financially, you can't you can't function. Mm-hmm. You really can't. Mm-hmm. You know? And and uh for me as a as a person, you know, I I love my belief system now because I don't need any material possession to be happy. And and I have the mentality where if it's used it's attractive to me. Where most people want everything brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, with the exception of certain things, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I have a completely different mindset on how to manage money, how to make money, and what makes me happy. Yeah. You know. Did did that come through running the business through trials and tribulations of building cul-de-sac? Hundred percent. As cul-de-sac began to grow, it became more and more challenging. Yeah. You know, making payroll became a, became a challenge, and that's a problem for any business. If yeah. you if you are at the point where payroll is becoming challenging, you know, to 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 um to and and, and of course, uh, let me be clear. Every business has this challenge. I was about to say, is that a good challenge? Because every. Like- 
Every business has a challenge of paying bills. Yeah. Okay. But managing your AR versus your AP is an art. It's a science. Okay. You have to have a strong enough relationship with your clients where they pay you on time and understand the value of paying you on time, no matter who that client is. And you have to have a strong enough relationship with your creditors and vendors that you owe where at different times of the year, if you can't pay them, they understand still that you will pay them. You understand where I'm coming from? And every business is going to have that challenge. So for me at cul-de-sac, you know, I was not educated enough on managing AR and AP. I was spending money on Louis the 13th. I'm spending money on cars. I'm spending money on this and that because so much money was coming in mm-hmm. that it made me it made me think that I was making money. But I was too busy, you know, focusing on things that were outside the business where I did not have uh, the discipline to manage the balance sheet, the P&L, mm-hmm. and to really get into the metrics of the business. Until about two years before I sold the business, I started to reel everything in and understand that, you know what, Kevin? You can't be spending money like this. Mm-hmm. You're taking too much money out of the business. You yeah. need to be putting more money back into the business and making it profitable. And that's what I ended up doing. But in 2017, our revenue used to double year over year. And that's why I was spending so much money. I'm like, well, I know I'm going to make money, you know? No, no, no. Are you making money? Because gross profit is different than net profit. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, you know, earnings before taxes is, you know, you got you to gotta understand all of those different elements. And a good CPA will help you understand that. Yeah. Uh, and a good lawyer, too. But, um, you know, in 2017, our revenue was up. But we weren't crushing it like we used to. And I started learning about autonomous vehicles. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I just turned 30. I'm like, you know what? Autonomous vehicles, that's the future. Why? Because it's cutting that 50% cost, that labor cost. Mm-hmm. That, you know, technology exists to cut costs. Yeah, facts. You know, so I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, man, if autonomous vehicles come out and I, I don't have to pay a driver to pick up the car and go take the client to the airport, I can just send the robot. That'll save me a whole bunch of money. <laughs> Straight up. You know, so automation, machine learning, you know, art- artificial intelligence, all of these things exist to unfortunately and fortunately eliminate jobs. You know, it's like Levi Stratus. You know, a lot of jobs were eliminated by uh, a lot of old, you know, 50 to 100 year old American companies like, you know, GM, GE, Levi's. I mean, all of these companies shifted their priorities, you know, from the Midwest over the years, mm-hmm. you know, or like in Detroit, where you have a lot of car manufacturing, Cars, a yeah. lot of jobs, you know, were lost because technology has come in to build those cars and, and make them safer and make them more efficient. So while technology does eliminate jobs, and that is a sad thing to go through, it's very unfortunate. Uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurism is the, the key to that. Yeah. So, you know, the key to freedom. Uh, but, you know, to, 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 you know, the other caveat is technology also um, creates jobs. Yeah. You know, it, 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 we have a, uh, you know, a influx of people majoring in engineering and, and IT development and, um, you know, fields in which they can create artificial intelligence to better manage things that were previously under the human eye. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be more consistent, to be more perfect, because obviously no one can be perfect. That human, you get that human error element. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Like, uh, humans controlling things. Correct. Correct. So I started thinking about autonomous vehicles in 2017 and really researching it. I'm like, man, I'm 30. And they're talking about autonomous vehicles. Won't be around for 10 years. Won't be around for 20 years. Let's just say it won't be around for 20 years. I'll be 50 because I was 30 at the time. Mm-hmm. Will I be ready to retire at 50? No, mm-hmm. I know I won't be. So I got to get out of this business. But what do I do? What do I do next? You know, that was my question in 2017. So I sat down with the CEO of a company called RMA, mm-hmm. uh, led by Robert Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a dear friend, uh, still is. And at the time, he and I had a relationship where, you know, I felt like he was the the papa bear because he was the big dog in the DC market uh, as it pertained to transportation. So, you know, I we, we would meet up every now and then and, and I would bounce ideas and that sort of thing. But I remember sitting across from him at lunch once and I'm like, you know what, Robert, I'm not cut out to be in this business. Yeah. This is not for me. You know, I want to I want to do something else. You know, I want to maybe do some consulting or maybe, uh, you know, um, you know, start a, a new industry, you know, you know, under the realm of transportation, transporting something different, transporting in a different way. I didn't know what it was. What it ended up being was my company called a sex show for getting acquired by RMA. So I sold the company to RMA and then took a role with them uh, as a manager there. And that experience of starting a business and selling a business was probably the scariest and the best thing that has ever happened to me because from age 25 to 30, this was my baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was something that I stumbled upon, but then grew to love yeah. and grew and grew to, to, grew, to appreciate over time. So when I sold it, you know, a lot of people criticized me and thought, well, why would you sell a successful business? It wasn't about that. It wasn't about whether or not cul-de-sac was successful or not successful. I'm about the long-term play. I'm 32. Right now, I'm 32. I still have a 30-year career ahead of me Straight right up, now. At least. At least. Mm-hmm. You understand where I'm coming from? So I don't play for the short term. I play for the long term. I play for the long haul. That's it. You know, I'm, I'm here to grind, and I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, selling cul-de-sac was about freedom, the freedom to choose whatever I wanted to do next. And RMA was that vehicle to get there. And I ended up spending a year and nine months with that company because I have since resigned from RMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned about business. I learned a lot about myself, my strengths, my weaknesses. I learned how to be a better listener. I learned how to, um, you know, not let my emotions dictate how I communicate. And I'm still going through a learning process on that. Mm-hmm. Um, But the biggest lesson I learned in RMA, uh, I think, was the power of any business, whether it be a small business, medium-sized, large enterprise, uh, the power and the strength of any business is in the people that you hire. Mm -hmm. And there's no better depiction of that than transportation. Because if you book a limo or bus or board a transit bus that's on a contract for any company in the world, you're not going to see the CEO. You might not even know who the CEO is 
or the vice president or the managers or the person who even booked your transportation. But you're going to know the driver. And the driver of any transportation company is, it, it is, without a doubt, the drivers are the most important position of any transportation company. I don't care if they're making minimum wage, if they're making 30 an hour, whatever they're making, okay? They're the most important piece of it because that's the piece that the client sees. And when you are buckled up in the back of that vehicle, you are putting your life, you know, another reference to death, you're putting your life in the hands of that driver, you know, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. So if that driver makes any sort of error, it doesn't matter what effort you made to get a contract. It doesn't matter what effort you made to clean that car before it went to the client. It doesn't matter whatever, what any effort dispatch made to make sure the car was on time. If the driver makes an error that causes injury to the passenger, all of it goes out the window. And being there taught me to appreciate more what drivers do. I got a CDL while I was there. Mm-hmm. Learn how to drive buses, all different types learn how to work on buses. Um, and I and I started to really grow an affinity for large vehicles uh, because everything is bigger. Uh, the thing I don't like about large vehicles are the repair bills. Those are big and They're astronomical too, too right? <laughs> but moving the vehicles, driving them, working on them, you know, figuring out what they need in order to go out and be safe for the drivers and the passengers, Man, I really, I really did enjoy that. And that was an experience that I didn't have while I was at, while I was running cul-de-sac, my, my smaller company. Yeah. Um, the last thing I did before RMA was, was run a transit contract in Baltimore. And uh, Baltimore is an interesting city, man. Everything that The Wire <laughs> says about Baltimore and depicts is, is, is just, you know, on the cusp of truth. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's true, but it just shows you just a small piece of Baltimore because this transit contract uh, has so many elements to it. There's so many different types of people who ride public transportation in Baltimore. You have uh, individuals who are very, very uh, down and out who get on the bus every day. And you have rich people who get on the bus because it's a free bus that runs through downtown Baltimore. And I rode the bus a lot. When I say I rode the bus, there was one there was one point where I would get on the bus every single day because I wasn't familiar with Baltimore City and I wasn't as familiar with transit. So I had to get give myself a, a crash course. That's yeah. what led me to get my CDL so I could learn how to drive the bus, led me to actually start studying the different components of the buses and studying how to set up a shop and, and workflow and that sort of thing. And uh, one day I was on the bus late one night it was like a Friday or Saturday night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I should have been home, but I'm riding the bus. Yeah. And a guy gets on the bus. He's in a camouflage jacket. His name was Chief. Friendly dude, homeless dude. You know, I didn't give a damn about that. He didn't give a damn about me. And I'm like, what's up, Chief? How you doing? And our operator, Denise, said, this is Chief. He rides every Friday night. I love when he rides because it makes you feel safer. And I thought about it in that moment. You know, I thought about Sunday suppers, you know. There's so much value in anyone that you meet. And the value, one of the values in chief was the fact that he rode the bus late at night and made the female operator safe. Mm-hmm. Now, someone might see chief digging through a trash can on the street and think that's a bum. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an alcoholic. He's a drug addict. No, he's actually a good person that our employed operator 
loves boarding the bus because she feels safer. She feels more empowered on her job. She, you know, you understand I'm coming from. So, you know, the elements in Baltimore that I was able to observe taught me so much about life, man. I mean, I've seen people go through heroin overdoses. I've seen people, you know, stab individuals. I've seen people rob individuals during my time in Baltimore. I saw a lot of shit, you know, that will stay with me, you know, for a long time. Uh, And it was because I rode that damn bus. Yeah. And I was downtown. I'm on the street. I'm watching fights. I'm watching the cops tackle people. I I witnessed a couple uh, aftermath of a couple shootings. You know, so, you know, I got to really be in the nitty gritty down there. And, and, and it 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 really gave me a, more of a sense of purpose and knowing, you know, I need to make sure that the way in which I carry myself uh, is an example to the community. You know, the black community, obviously, because I'm African-American uh, and I want to inspire other black youths to, to follow, not follow my path, but to create a path for themselves mm-hmm. towards personal success, yeah. you know. But also, you know, for the for for every community, you know, for for even for the person out there who looks at me and thinks I might rob him because I'm in a hoodie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I because those people are out there. Those people Facts. are out there, too. Facts. Cool. You know, have a conversation with me. I'm sure you might be enlightened. Yeah. You know, I have something to say. And I also want to listen to you and learn about you. Yeah. You know, so Baltimore really taught me, you know, uh, resilience, you know. And um, I love that city, man. I'm, I'm from Silver Spring. I love D.C. I spent a lot of time in D.C. nightclubs. But I love Baltimore because it's a work in progress. Yeah. I don't know when they're going to turn it around and, 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 you know, really get a handle on the crime and a lot of the corruption that occurs in the city. But I have faith that they will turn it around at some point. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next year. Yeah. But I do think they're going to turn it around at some point because there's some good people that live in Baltimore, man. Mm-hmm. There's some good people on the street. There's some good politicians in Baltimore. And uh, I'm very blessed to have been a part of that contract because it, it made me a better person. It really did. It taught me a lot about my own culture and, and, and how African-Americans have uh, overcome one slavery, overcome, you know, a loss of manufacturing jobs in Baltimore, okay, and, and still continue to overcome challenges, economic challenges that occur in Baltimore. Because a lot of the drivers that, uh, you know, drive buses in Baltimore, you know, you have a lot of female drivers actually in Baltimore, which is dope because I, I, I love working with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel more comfortable working with women, I think, because I was raised by a single mom. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate how women tend to communicate. Uh, I'm not the kind of person that thinks that the way a woman acts or carries herself is different than a man. Uh, I tend to more so think that men and women are the same because everything that I saw men do, my mom can do and does. Um, But women are so special to me because of the natural empathy that I think they they have. And I think one of the major problems with any man, I think one thing that the testosterone does to us is, you know, it gives us this confidence that can be that can overexert itself and become arrogance. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have the proper estimation of ourselves where, you know, I could wake up one day, look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, damn, I look good. Da, 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 da. 
you know, and then treat someone like shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that's 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 something that I have struggled with, you know, over the years is 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 my confidence verging on arrogance cuz naturally I am a confident person. But when you don't have the proper estimation of yourself and you're not chasing humility and understanding that my words and actions, it doesn't matter how these five people perceive me over here if this one person thinks that I'm a dick. Absolutely. You know, and, 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 and if that one person thinks that I'm a dick because of something that I, I, I've done to them, then I need to make restitution for that action. You know, I need to, 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 to ask for forgiveness. And if that person doesn't want to forgive me, then that's perfectly fine. But I'm not cool with playing circles. You know, I got this one crew over here that thinks I'm cool and this one crew over here that doesn't. I don't give a shit about that crew. No, I'm not cool with that. I want to be cool with everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I need to kiss ass. It doesn't mean that I need to to sort of try to finesse my way into different circles or nothing like that. But I just want to make sure that every choice and decision I make on every single day, you know, is something that's befitting of the character that I want to exude. Facts, facts. You know? Um, I agree with that, man. Uh so moving from that career to yeah. the next, like you're a young dude, bro. Like you're right. 32 years old. You know what I'm saying? Started and sold a successful company to one of the most um, successful transportation Yeah, number seven in the, in the world, country, according you know to LCT. Army is a huge company. Yeah, so like that's a pretty humongous feet you know what i mean from like yeah. a dude who's like trying i'm not i'm not gonna say like i'm trying to build my thing to sell it that's not i got you right but right, like right. as someone who runs a company that's been around for a long time and is also trying to build his own like i understand like i in a real way understood understand what you've done you know what i mean it's kind of crazy but you're young it is crazy. so like what is next for you like you said you're gonna you got like at least 30 more working years in you like right what, what what shit's interesting you moving forward like what do you see yourself doing like what does your day-to-day look like now so my day-to-day now is basically me writing and continue continuing to to ponder on what i see um excuse me what i see happening uh in multiple industries over the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. So obviously I mentioned autonomous vehicles is something that I'm extremely interested in. And I'm, I'm, I'm making, or I will be making, I should say, certain decisions uh, soon uh, within that industry. Um, and currently I'm talking to multiple companies on partnering on, on some initiatives. Uh, but maintenance of vehicles has uh, always intrigued me. I always wanted to have a repair shop. And uh, my father owns uh, a, car, a car dealership, and uh, he's had it for about twenty five years. And during the time that he that he and I were estranged from about age twelve to age maybe twenty, uh, I I never saw him. I never was at the dealership. I you know I didn't really understand what it was and what it has grown to until I turned twenty. You know, and it was a very inspirational thing for me because I had no idea that he was actually a successful entrepreneur Mm -hmm. from the time I was 12 to 20. So I guess you could say it almost runs in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, But my day to day now is 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 studying um, how, you know, studying how uh, the world will move over the next 30 to 40 years, you know. We have scooters now, okay? We have Uber. We have Lyft. 
and I use Uber and Lyft, mm-hmm. which is like a no-no in the limo industry. If you if you talk about Uber and Lyft in the limo industry, you're gonna get, uh, you know, you're gonna get blasted. But now yeah. that I've officially retired hey. from the limo industry, I don't give a damn. I use Straight Uber. <laughs> you know, I don't use it every day or every week, but it's there. I use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think Uber is very fascinating. I think Lyft is very fascinating. I think the scooters are very fascinating. So my day to day right now is I still wake up at the same time every day. And I start studying and uh, I start researching um, uh, how technology companies are essentially positioning themselves for when autonomous vehicles will be accepted by society Mm -hmm. because they will be accepted by society. Uh, Some people say in the next 10 years. You'll start to see more and more autonomous vehicles on the road. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be ten years. Less. Autonomous. It's gonna be less. Yeah. I mean, autonomous vehicles are on the road right now mm-hmm. in Virginia. One just made a trip within the last few months, a nine mile trip in uh, Florida. Um, I forget the name of the company. I can't recollect, but it was a semi truck with a load that made a nine mile trip. Went to a rest stop, pulled out the rest stop, was able to merge into the highway. Autonomous vehicles are are, are here. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're coming. They're here. Uh, and it's going to take a team of very, very, you know, intelligent people to push this initiative. And it's something that I want to be a part of. It's it's something that I've been, you know, thinking about for many, many years, ever since I learned about uh, autonomous vehicles and, 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 and how the technology is created. But I don't have a technology background. Mm-hmm. I have a background in transportation and logistics. So... For me to break into the industry uh, is a feat, and it's and it's something that I'm very fortunate to be able to do because of the connections and the networking that I've done over the last several years. Um, but uh, you know, that's essentially what I'm working on right now. Um, I'm also looking at businesses to buy. Uh, I learned how to start a business. I learned how to run a business. I learned how to sell a business. And then I was able to help RMA, um, you know, be, I was able to be a part of their team and help them, you know, grow their fleet from 200 vehicles to 300 vehicles in less than two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they're doing is is absolutely stunning. It, it's, it's unheard of in transportation. So to be a part of that was extremely, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. Uh, you know, my CEO texted me that uh, after my last day and said that, you know, he was going to miss my uh, can-do attitude and, you know, just the fervor that I put into everything that I did at Army and everything that I accomplished there. And I'm going to miss, uh, you know, his energy that he puts into his brand. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't let anyone mess with his brand. And I don't blame him because he started at age 25, too. And grew that company to be one of the largest and, in my opinion, best transportation companies in the world. Um, but what I realize now is my legacy. My third. He's had that company for thirty years. That's his legacy. So what I realize is my thirty-year legacy as an entrepreneur. I want to surround on what's next. That's the that's the answer. And I haven't quite. I haven't. That's the question. I should say. But I, and I haven't quite answered it yet. But I have a lot of time to sit down and be introspective and to research and research and research because cul-de-sac, you know, that was on, that, that company started on a whim. It was a side hustle that turned into a, turned into a business. Now I have the time and the resources to study and research 
and make methodical financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Whereas with cul-de-sac, it was just whatever. There was no business plan. Yeah. Now I have the opportunity to create that plan. And I'm very fortunate to 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 be in this position. It's not a position that most entrepreneurs uh, can be in. Um, you know, I have venture capitalists that are interested in some of my ideas. Um, uh, you know, I have individuals who own multi-million dollar companies who are interested in some of my ideas and are interested in partnering with me in some way, shape, or form. And and uh, it's it's all love, man. Yeah. It's it's crazy how you know when you treat others the way you wish to be treated. It's crazy what that can really lead you to. I believe that. I believe in that a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just I, I feel I feel very blessed right now, and I feel very humbled, man, because. Uh, the next year is going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be crazy in a good way. Nah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, Yeah, that's fucking lit, man. Like I said, I have, uh, like, I can really appreciate the fact that you built something out of nothing and then turned it into a thing that was bought by one of the leaders in that industry. That's like a crazy feat to me. But, um, yeah, man. The last question I want to ask you is something that I pretty much always ask um, is what's the like if you had a billboard, you know, what I'm saying that you could put like a message on for people that are like you or people that you just want to get a message to. You know what I'm saying? Um, what what would that be? What would be your, like your final like your take your takeaway? Um, your final point. There is a proverb, and I'm going to pull my phone out so yeah, I go can for make it. sure I quote it correctly. Go so bear it. with me. But there is a, uh, uh, you know, a proverb uh, in the Bible that I uh, always, uh, you know, like to remind myself of every day. Uh, and it says, "All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty." It's Proverbs fourteen twenty three. Um. And what that really means to me is uh, actions speak louder than words. You know, motion creates emotion. So if you're thinking about starting a business or thinking about changing the world uh, by starting a charity or nonprofit, then do it today. Don't wait. Do it today. Take those steps right now towards accomplishing whatever that goal may be. You're going to have to surround yourself with people who are more knowledgeable than you. Um, and you might have to get some more education, whether that be in college, which is, you know, for some people or just self-education, which is the path that I like to choose. But don't don't hesitate. Just do it. And I love Nike's uh, branding where those three words are the most powerful words. Man, I think anyone slogan in history. I mean, those, 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 <laughs> there's a reason up. there's a reason why Michael Jordan, you know, has partnered with them. There's a reason why LeBron James has partnered with them. Just do it are three of the most powerful words, I think, in sports and in, and in marketing. As that. Yeah. In, in, in marketing, in, in, really. In any industry. Just in any it. industry, just do it. You know, and sometimes you're not going to have all the answers, just like I don't have all the answers in relation to my next career moves mm-hmm. or in relation to what I'll be doing five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'll be doing, maybe what I'll, Maybe what I will be doing for the next five years may not be what I'll do for the next 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Who knows, right? Might start another business and sell it again. Yeah, straight up. In fact, I probably will. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really do want everyone to, to take that verse to heart and, and understand that, um, you know, embellishing, lying, 
trying to be someone that you're not, that's all whack. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, uh, living on the street, you know, uh, those individuals are the realest people. You know what I mean? The people who really come from the ghetto and the and the grime and all that sort of stuff. Like, like we all hear about stories from people who made it from the slums and that sort of thing. Like those are I I, I wasn't raised in the slums. I'm yeah. not even on the front. Yeah. Like I you know was raised in the hood. I'm not from the hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I had a, a a great upbringing from my from my mom. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the mere talk leaving the poverty. You could come from a great environment and lose everything. Like that can really happen and it happens to a lot of people. So, you know, just be mindful of that and get out there and accomplish whatever goals you have. I want to touch on that just for a second. Like I am a humongous believer in the idea that like your like your adversities are your advantages, you know what I'm saying? Like when you have when you start with like nothing, you really got nothing to lose and you, you really can just only build on top of that, you know what I'm saying? If you got the wherewithal to like understand that you have nothing to lose and that you can only build on top of that, you know what I mean? So I'm a big believer in uh, the people who seemingly start off with the worst or have the least, you know what I'm saying? Like they can do the most damage, you know what I mean? Correct. That's I, I really believe that. But I do want to just take what you said a little step further and ask you okay if i say i am an entrepreneur i'm aspiring entrepreneur aspiring got an idea that i want to get out there and you're telling me just do it just start today mm-hmm. where would you suggest like and of course you have no context of what it is i want to do of course. what is like a tangible first step that any person could take towards like accomplishing their their goals their dreams or stuff like that like from your perspective absolutely so um, I'm going to use the example of starting a t-shirt company. You know, if you want to start a t-shirt company or start a clothing brand, you got to research clothing brands, you know, and, re- and don't just research the, 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 you know, the small companies, research the big company because every large company started from somewhere. No one starts as a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft founded by Bill Gates, uh, you know, started from his parents' garage. You know what I mean? Uh, Under Armour started at University of Maryland on campus there. You know, Facebook started in a Harvard dorm room. So there, there are people, there are people in dorm rooms right now who have the same ideas, but they don't understand. They don't have that Nike just do it mentality. You understand? They don't have that hard work leads to profit all mentality. All the questions figured out, all the answers Correct. lined up. Right. So you got to research what what your essentially what your competition is going to be. You know, you want to start a media company, well, then you need to research other media companies. You want to start a T-shirt company, then you need to start researching other clothing brands. You know, you want to start a T-shirt company that surrounds hip hop, then you need to start researching Supreme and figure out how they came about. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? So uh, I think looking at I, that's why, you know, one of my favorite subjects in school was history, because I feel like looking at our ancestors and, and what they accomplished and how they did things does still resonate uh to the present and a lot of times we don't always think that because they lacked you know a b and c but what they all had was the same idea of 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 chasing after success so Mm -hmm. for any business owner um or person who aspires to be a business owner you have to constantly look at what the competition is, is doing and gain ideas from that. There's no question about that. You need to be aware of the competition. And I know people say, oh, when you're looking at the competition, you're going to miss something in your own business. 
you need to be you need to work smart. Okay, you know, don't necessarily have to work hard, but you need to work smart and understand uh, your industry and understand the 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 level of business that you want to attain. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs make is they don't view themselves. They don't think of themselves as an entrepreneur 24 seven. So they might make this good decision in an eight hour period. That's very entrepreneurial. But then, you know, the rest of the day is just shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have to think of yourself as the business owner now, not when you have the building and the billboard on there. You are a business owner now and today. I'm a business owner, you know, and you shouldn't be ashamed of how much revenue you're making. You know, I I wore suits when I was making only 100 grand a year and I wore suits when I was making more. You know what I mean? And I wore suits when I was making six dollars and thirty five cents an hour as a pharmacy clerk. Mm -hmm. You understand I'm coming from? I wore the khaki pants and the shirt was tucked in and I was preppy and I was professional. My shoes were shine. I've never changed in that regard because that's my brand. That's who I am. It has nothing to do with how much money I make or how accomplished I am. Mm -hmm. You know, if I want someone to perceive something from me before I even open my mouth, uh, then I need to dress and act a certain way. You know, and then once I open my mouth, I need to be aware of, of, of how my words are, 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 you know, how they come across to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something, uh, you know, I learned in the seminary. If you're giving an apology or offering an apology to someone, you should never say, I'm sorry if I offended you. Because, you know, why you were offended is not, has, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You were offended. I offended you. Whether or not I agree with why you were offended, I'm sorry if I offended you is not a an apology. I'm sorry. Won't happen again. Mm-hmm. And we move on. That's it. Uh, so, you know, I kind of have taken that same mentality when it comes to like managing staff. You know, your staff's going to make mistakes. There's no question about that. Um, you know, hopefully most of the mistakes they, they make aren't mistakes for which they will be, you know, you have to part ways with. Yeah, exactly. But you, you need to understand your staff from the standpoint of, you know, why, you know, maybe they're going through some shit. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and maybe the way that you communicate with one staff member, it might not be this. You might not want to communicate with another staff member the same way. Mm-hmm. You understand I'm coming from? Yeah. Like, I'm very I'm a very passionate person in everything that I do. So, you know, a lot of times you got to come at me correct, you know, because I will take a lot of shit personal when it comes to how I do my business. But I've had to learn that, you know what? It's not going to change anything if I fly off the handle if I get upset. That's not going to change anything, you know. So um, I think for 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 any person aspiring to be a business owner, you know, you need to understand people. You need to have empathy for people, because if you really want to get that business off the ground, you're going to need your grandma, your mom, your dad, brother, sister, friends, homeless dude. You know, you're going to need all those people to be on your team. And, and be successful. It will not be by your own personal effort. Yeah, you yeah. need everyone to buy into what you're trying to accomplish. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's uh, something I, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to learn and incorporate myself that I can't do it all myself. You, you can't. Not that I even aspire to or desire to. It's just that sometimes it's easier to like not ask for help. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's easier to just like try to figure it out myself, which right. but easier in the short term. You know Correct. what I'm saying? So I feel that. I Facts. feel that. Um 
Yeah, man, I appreciate you coming I appreciate through you and sitting me, down man. having like, this, this convo, man. This has been a good time. I've definitely yeah. learned a lot from you. Uh, last thing, Thank last you. thing before you go, uh, yeah. let people know where they can find you if they want to keep up with what you're doing. Wanna sure, sure. Want to say what's up. Like, where can people find you? You can find me uh, as Polite Kevin. Polite is my last name, P-O-L-I-T-E, just like a spell. Mm-hmm. On Facebook and on Instagram, you can find me at handle KP Original DC. Okay. And hopefully uh we can do some business. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Uh thank you, bro. Appreciate this. Thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. What's good, folks? This is Mech again. Uh, before we go, I just want to thank you again for listening to um this episode of This a Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please let me know. Hit me up on any of the social media channels at itsnation.com. That's at itsnation.com, D-O-T-C-O-M spelled out. Hit me up there. Let me know how you felt about this. If anything in this episode resonated with you, definitely save it. Listen to it again. Um, I do that with podcasts all the time. Share this. You know what I'm saying? Let your let your homies know about it. Again, check out everything that we got on itsnation.com. And we really got a talented team putting dope content together on there. And again, if you are interested in getting your podcast off the ground or Uh, chopping it up about podcast ideas you know i'm saying you want your voice to be heard anything like that hit me up uh this a podcast at gmail.com that's this a podcast at gmail.com and we can definitely rap about it uh but again man thanks i appreciate you guys for fucking with the brand